Section 4 of The Rover, Volume 1, Number 21. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume 1, Number 21. Edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Libri. Section 4. The Dairyman's Bill. A dark and stormy evening in February is not a time when anyone who has freedom of choice will leave a warm fireside for a walk in the sheltered streets. But with the worthy man whom we are about to introduce to our readers, there was no alternative. Sandy Parrison was a dairyman in the suburbs of Edinburgh who maintained his little family by the sale of produce of two cows. His wife and their only child, a comely girl of nineteen, were all Sandy's household, and every member of it took a share of the labour, which supplied the few and humble wants. Their small cottage was neat and clean, as were also the inmates themselves. Though their countenances on the rainy February night in question betokened depressed and sorrowful hearts. Heaven speed, the good man, said the wife, as Sandy Parrison threw his plate about his shoulders, and prepared to encounter the blast without. Heaven speed ye, or else we'll be harried and ruined creatures the morn. Would a nice two to gang o' doors in? Help yourself up, Sandy, and put the bonnet firm on your head. For that wind is enough to tear the coat off your back. But the trial man be made. Her husband drew his bonnet tightly over his grey and scanty hairs, as he was desired, and, after speaking a few words of hope and comfort, left his spouse and daughter alone in the lonely tenement. The dairyman was too much inert exposure at all seasons to feel any great distress from the sleety rain, which fell in fitful showers around him as he proceeded along the causeway side toward the centre of the city. Few passengers were in the streets that night. The many closed shutters showed that all who could remain within doors were enjoying themselves in their parlours. Poor Sandy Patterson walked on, scarcely conscious of the storm, having that on his mind which rendered him heedless of any personal inconvenience. He reached at last one of the most fashionable streets in the new quarter of the city and stopped in front of a handsome mansion, which, unlike the generality of those around it, was not closed and shuttered up. On the contrary, a brilliant flood of light came from the windows and the sound of music and mirth were audible even in the street. Sandy Patterson was the least envious of mortals. Still, he could not forbear sign as he listened and gazed. With a slow step, he mounted the stair of that abode of enjoyment, as it seemed to be, and applied his hand timidly to the bell. No answer followed his gentle pull. The sound was perhaps drowned in the revelry within. Sandy pulled again, and with a very little additional energy. A man-servant in plain clothes now opened the door. To the question, what do you want? Patterson replied, I'm sorry to give you trouble, sir, but I'm the milkman. I have been once or twice of late about the bit account for the milk that the family has forgotten, and though it's an untimely hour, I would be greatly obliged if it could be settled at night. I would have been late to trouble ye, but I'm in sore want of it. The servant, who had been listening to the speech with the door open to the least possible extent, that the blast might not visit the interior, now asked the petitioner to come into the lobby while he should mention the matter to his master. Sandy, with many scrubbings of his feet, did as he was required and took a chair pointed out to him. Here, his patience, and he had a great deal of it, was not long tried. The man, having gone upstairs, returned in a minute or two with the answer. It was not convenient to settle the account at present. This was an extraordinary time to come in quest of money. He must call again in a day or two, on Saturday perhaps, or Monday. The answer was a dreadful blow to the humble dun. The sum which was owing by this family to him amounted to more than between four and five pounds, but that sum was of the greatest consequence to him. 
He had already called for payment within nearly a dozen times, although he had modestly mentioned only once or twice. And sad necessity alone had pressed him to renew his claim on the present occasion. Unless he procured the sum he was in quest of, his cattle and his furniture, his all in short, would be seized on the morrow by legal execution and brought to public sale. The disconsolate petitioner attempted, in language broken by the heaviness of his heart, to make the footman aware of the state of matters. But seeing that his word made not the slightest impression, he drew his blade about him and turned away from the scene of his disappointment. On returning to his home, Sandy Patterson well nigh gave way to an agony of despair. Without hearing a word from his lips, his wife and daughter read in his look the frustration of their hopes. So they has reserved you as usual, Sandy, said the wife at last. Just the old story. Call again, not convenient, was the husband's sorrowful reply. What is to be done now, Nanny? continued the poor man, rising and striding in agitation up and down the floor. What is it to be done now? I do it we are clean ruined. Not even the means left to us of winning our morsel of meat. And you too, Peggy, poor thing, stopping and laying his hand on his daughter's head. This disgrace may gar some folks slight you, and that would be sair for you to bite. Nay fears o' that father, said the daughter. If William, if anybody, continued she, correcting herself, were to slight us for the misfortunes that we could not help, this scorn would not vex me, sir. Who can blame you for holding out a helping hand to your ain brother? He may be not to blame neither, poor man, but if a fort can be laid at anybody's door, it's his, and no to yours, father, and the traitors that may take a you have the more are his and no yours. Short, and that's true, Peggy said sandy sitting down with something like composure there's nay disgrace in at least and that's a great consolation the poor family though divested of all hope of acquiring the sum of money which sandy had gone in search of now sat down calmly to speak of their affairs twenty pounds was the sum for which their stock was to be seized of this they had mustered only ten pounds and their anxiety about the account which had been sought that night arose from the promise of the principal creditor to stop proceedings and allow more time if fifteen pounds were paid in this their hopes had been disappointed as we have seen before retiring to seek that repose which none of them it is to be feared enjoyed that night sandy parison and his family knelt down as usual and thanked their maker for all his mercies beseeching at the same time strength to submit to his will the performance of this act of devotion was not without its effect in composing the spirits of the suffering family as it brought to their minds the refreshing recollection that whatever might happen to them on this earth there was one whose protection matt could not deprive them of we now ask the reader's company while we return to that mansion of comparative luxury from the door of which sandy barrison had turned away in sorrow and sickness of heart several hours after his visit the doors of that house once more opened not to admit dance but to admit the gay and fashionable to pass out after the entertainment was over it is not with them we have to do however therefore let us walk upstairs and into the room now emptied of its visitors and tenanted only by the ordinary inhabitants of the mansion mr davidson for such was the name of the host then remained alone in the drawing-room with his wife and eldest daughter davidson let us premise was a man of easy and somewhat indolent nature but remarkably liable to be affected by general impulses the income which he derived from his profession was ample and it was rather from a want of system in the management of his household than any other cause that poor sandy had remained so long unpaid 
Stretching himself listlessly on a sofa, he began with his lady to chat over the incidents of the party. And among other circumstances to which he alluded was that ludicrous application of a daily man for the payment of his bill, by which he had been interrupted in the midst of a very profound discussion on the merits of Herd's quadrilles. At this allusion, his daughter, a fine child of eleven years, approached and with a tear in her eyes said, Ah, but Papa, the poor man was obliged to come tonight, for his cows are to be sold tomorrow for his own debts. I heard him tell John so, as I was crossing the lobby. Poor man, he cried as he went away. Good heavens, exclaimed the conscience-stricken debtor. Can it be possible? Was this the cause of his late application, which I only laughed at? Can anyone tell me where he lives? Inquiry was made below stairs. But no one knew more than that Sandy lived somewhere in the south side of the town. They did not even know his last name. I will instantly go, cried Davidson, and find out myself and in spite of his wife's remonstrances, he dressed himself for the weather and accompanied by a servant set out through the dark and rainy streets. Long and anxiously did he search, but in so populous a district with so imperfect a knowledge of the individual he was in quest of, it is not wonderful that he did not discover Sandy's residence. At length, from an old lady who kept a small shop in which milk was one of the articles sold, he learned enough to give him the strongest hopes of having discovered the man he sought. The residence of this man, however, was at so great a distance from the spot in which he was that Mr. Davidson saw the necessity of returning home for the time to relieve his wife's anxiety. At an early hour, he was resolved to resume his inquiries in the quarter to which he had been directed. Mrs. Davidson and her husband slept but little in the few hours that now intervened between night and morning. So deep was the impression which the incident we have related made on their minds. Davidson had been directed fortunately to the right quarter. The officials of the law had reached Sandy Patterson's humble abode. He refused his request for a little time, in consequence of his inability to produce the fifteen pounds. Nanny and her daughter were sitting in a corner hopeless, and soon to be to all appearance houseless. One of the cows was already brought out from its stall and stood lowing at the door amid a crowd of intended purchasers. Already was the poor cow put up when Mr. Davidson arrived, made himself known, and put a stop to the proceedings. Conceiving himself to be in some measure the cause of all their distress, he was not contented with paying the sum he owed to the poor lady man, but advanced enough to settle the whole amount of claims. The worthy Sandy could only speak his gratitude by tears. This affair was no less an error in this honest family's history than it was in that of Mr. Davidson. This night's experience taught him the lesson that the whole hopes of a family may be dependent on a sum altogether unimportant to the individual who owes it, and in the discharge of such obligation benevolence is as much as to be gratified in many instances as conscientiousness. It may serve to show the interest which he and his family ever after this period took in the Pattersons when we mention that the little girl to whose accidental presence in her father's lobby the happy issue of this affair was owing was permitted by her parents no long time afterward to dance at the wedding of Sandy's pretty daughter Peggy, who married a certain William hinted at as the attentive reader may have observed at an early part of this true story. End of section 4 Read by Kriti Devedi, Gurgaon, 14th August 2021.